0: Agnostics,
1: long-haired weirdos, short The government, the government, love the government, love the government, love the government, love the, government. the, government. the, government. the government. Welcome to The Politics Guys, the a place for bipartisan, love rational, and civil debate government. on American politics and policy. I'm Michael Baranowski, a professor of political science at Northern Kentucky University. I'm joined today by my conservative counterpart, Cleveland area attorney and defender of freedom, Jay Carson. Hey, good afternoon, Mike. Good afternoon, Jay. How, how how's your week been? How are you doing on this Friday afternoon?
0: Well, I'm glad it's Friday, and I, I again, but I'm I'm I note that uh, I, I I take two weeks off uh, to maybe catch up on a little uh, Defense of Freedom work and uh, maybe get in a little yachting before the the weather turns ba- bad. And uh, everything goes to hell, so here we are. <laughs>
1: <laughs> there, everything that—that that is, I think, an apt description of. It. And before we get to everything going to hell, of course, we're going to be talking about the the CR that led to McCarthy being ousted as Speaker. We also want to get into the new senator from california and the new supreme court term some big cases there were all arguments this week the some developments in the trump civil case uh, the something called the credit card competition act that i'm particularly interested in and then finally a word or two in praise of idleness now we won't all get we won't get to all of that in the regular show but if we don't get to in the regular show we will discuss in our midweek supporters show. So why don't we, well, actually, before we get to it, Jay, just a correction and a comment. Yeah,
0: you to fix stuff up. We had all kinds of, well, again, in, in my absence, in my absence.
1: <laughs> yeah, in more ways than one. So the correction. Last week, Ken and Trey were talking about the Alabama redistricting decision. And a couple of times, Ken said, Alabama is about 50% black. And and someone on, on Facebook pointed out that doesn't seem right. And they. Linked to some stats and it turns out yes alabama is around 27 percent black and but while ken i think was well not think was i know ken was wrong in that particular i think his larger argument was still spot on but large or small if we make a, a factual misstatement we like to know about it and we're always we're not necessarily happy to correct it but we definitely want to correct it and make that correction prominent and don't bury it somewhere at the back so there's
0: that correction it just shows that you're listening. It makes it makes me feel better that people are are paying attention. <laughs> we throw stuff in there every once in a while, just keep people on their toes.
1: Why don't we go ahead and move on to the actual news? And Jay, you know, you were right. Don't you like it when I start a sentence that way? Isn't that beautiful? But you you were in fact right when you said a few weeks ago that budget negotiations wouldn't result in a government shutdown. At least, you know, not yet. But you also, of course, predicted that Kevin McCarthy will remain Speaker of the House. And, you know, this week, I did predict you know, that. Yeah. And, and he lost that election this week. Eight Republicans joined all the Democrats present and voting him out. And now, of course, House Republicans have to both elect a new speaker and the Verda government shutdown before the CR expires, continuing resolution expires on November 17th. And, no, you know, given the fact that it took nearly a week and 15 votes to elect McCarthy back in January. This seems like a pretty big job or two pretty big jobs uh, because the government has to be funded in not much time, just under six weeks. I I, I don't even know where to start on this, Jay. There's a lot. It's your party. (laughs) You can have it. But where where do you want to start with all this?
0: Gosh. Um, So, I mean, I I guess that to some extent what I would say would be sort of painfully obvious uh, in that um, I often, uh, you know, argue that that about Republicans that. you know can't anyone here play this game uh and this is obviously uh one of those one of those instances uh and i this is this was not a, there was no plan uh going in this seems to be driven more by uh gates's personal animus uh against mccarthy than by any sort of policy argument now he's dressed it up in, in things like well, we want, a uh, uh, regular order. Uh, we want, um, uh, you know, build a wall, all those things, which uh, again, I, I believe me, nobody, uh, would be happier about returning to regular order than me. Um, and in fact, that's something you'd, you'd be fine with, I think. I'm a big regular um, order guy. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and we can talk about what that means either later today or, or on a different show, but, um, no, I, 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 the fact is McCarthy has to do what, you know, where the votes are and, uh, you either have the votes or you don't. Um, uh, he, uh, he sort of set the, the clock running, right? When he made this deal that would allow, uh, one, one member to raise the issue to call the question, um, of, of the, uh, uh, the motion, uh, to vacate, uh, um general Goldberg you know, kept a briefing it uh MTV and then pointed out that they, you know, eight members wanted their MTV. Um again, some some are some are old enough to get that, some aren't. But um yeah, I think it's it, this is this is just uh, absolutely self-sabotage. There's nothing that that uh, Republicans are getting out of this. Um and uh, uh we'll we'll see what we'll see what happens. I I can't see um, I mean, there was, there was just no, there was no plan going in, Well, well let me, uh, let, for what would happen, but go ahead.
1: Yeah. Let me respond to that. Cause I, I expected, I would have been disappointed if you hadn't uh, asked if there was anyone who can't, who can play this game on, on your side of the aisle. But I think that might not be the right question To to me. The question is what game are they playing? And I would argue that. Matt Gates and a few others are playing a fundamentally different game. So now if the question is, can't these folks be team players? That's a different question, but I don't think that Matt Gates cares about the short-term success of the Republican Party. I think Matt Gates and most of those others with him care about what's going to make sense for their fundraising totals. Matt Gates cares what's going to make sense to line him up as a potential Florida governor in 2026 and line him up ideally as sort of a successor to the Trumpian throne, if you will, in 2028. And so I think Matt Gates is playing the game pretty well, given that that, if, if those are his goals. And so that to me is the answer to that question. I wanted to get your take
0: on that. So um, there was, there was something I, I ran across the other day. Um, uh, uh, that that struck me, uh, the the wisdom of of uh, Seneca, Mike, uh, who you appreciate. Um, and I wish I could I wish I could uh, pull it uh, pull it off in Latin right now, but um, I'll give you the translation. And so, something that Seneca said was, uh, uh, "What is bad for the hive is bad for the bee." Um, and I, I think there's some truth to that. That uh, if you're going to sort of do something that is going to um be harmful to your entire party uh you as an individual be uh it's not going to benefit you all that much uh uh either i mean maybe he thinks it it will uh in the um in the long run um but i i think this is this is bad for the the party it's bad for the brand um and I don't think it at the end of the day it does much much good for matt gates because because there there does come a point i think Right? And maybe I'm wrong with this. Maybe we are living in a new, new era of, um, uh, of politics where just the identity signaling and, and virtue signaling and stuff, um, matters more than, than actual results. But, but at some point, you know, you, you gotta put, you gotta put, uh, W's, uh, on the, on the board, right? I mean, you gotta, you gotta, uh, you gotta win something. Um, and it's it's fine to say i'm i'm more virtuous i'm more conservative uh than these rhinos um but at the end of the day if, if you're if you're always losing and this is i think a, a trump you know the trump problem as well uh he won big in 2016 and has lost since then um uh as as a as a cleveland browns fan um you know i sort of, I sort of get this you know and it's um well I, you know, I, you can, I don't you can you can you can dress up like a dog and and wave the bones and bark all you like um but if at the end of the day you're you're still on the losing side it it pretty much sucks and, but and but sooner again, or later you're going to get tired of that you're going to drop the team or drop your quarterback.
1: But 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 in the end again it doesn't necessarily matter because Matt Gates as as uh, Jacob's pointed out that he's been raising a lot of money on on parlor you know, putting out fundraising things and raising millions and so have a number of these others i mean matt gates uh in the last cycle was the 13th highest fundraiser had the 13th highest fundraising total for uh republican incumbents and the marjorie taylor green was uh in that group so was uh uh, uh bobert so was jim jordan and so th- the party can go to but, hell where's jim
0: jordan and marjorie taylor green though did, did not but, join but, but my
1: point is is that yeah. sort of that sort of rhetoric and you know john in in the comments points out well isn't this a consequence in part of the parties being a lot weaker than what they were yes what yeah yes
0: absolutely yeah it is it is a a consequence of that and decentralized fundraising that now people can go directly uh through the internet and and hit a bunch of people nationwide that they couldn't before um and and it takes away from there's there was also an interesting piece uh I read talking about these the, uh, the the rebels, the Gates eight, as they call them, um, these other folks who were very much uh, in debt uh, to McCarthy and the the, uh, you know, the, the House Republican campaign fund. Um, you know, so it's, it's one of those I, I I think those folks might be hurting. And Matt Gates is Matt Gates is going to be called upon to share the wealth if he wants to. Uh, to, to keep up like this, right? Uh, if he wants people to, if they're not going to get uh, uh, funding from the uh, from the caucus, which I expect I won't, um, uh, nor should they, um, they're going to have to start either fundraising on their own or getting it from someone like Gates. And and I, I don't know, I don't know how long that lasts, right? Um, uh, it's, to me, sort of, Gates could be sort of a uh, a meme stock, if you were, you know what I mean? It's it's one of those he's. Uh, you know, big, uh, hey, look at look at this right now. But uh, and he, he may run up some numbers for one election cycle or two. Um, But after that, I do think people start to say, well, what's he done? See,
1: that's, I guess, where we differ. I don't think people ask that question anymore. I think they ask the question, whose team is he on? Is he on my team or is she on my team? And uh, what, what are what are the how do I feel about them? And I guess that that again gets back to our your belief, which I find more more and more bizarre by the day. That uh, most people base their political decisions on some sort of rational calculation, and that to me seems more and more disconnected from any sort of political uh, electoral reality that I can see. But yet, you seem to be a desperate clinger to that.
0: Well, I I'm I'm looking at. Um the the general notion that that people like to win that you want your team to win uh it's no fun always being in the minority it's it's sort of you get to a point of uh yeah here here's here's the thing um these folks who are giving money to to Matt Gates um eventually at some point they're going to say why am i sending this guy money when he's done nothing right when the democrats are still in charge uh or 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 i should say uh when the democrats take charge <laughs> you know this this joker uh you know could could well lose the house for republicans um and in so doing well you know that ends any uh, uh in investigations uh that ends um any you know if even if that's just what you're in it for right uh, the, you know the investigations to stick it to the other side um but not to mention that that gets rid of any um, uh, potential policy victories. And, and I, I do think that, you know, it, it's, 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 a you, you know, you can pull some of the people, some of the time type situation, right? I mean, he can, um, you, you get these, these folks who are, uh, demagogues for lack of a better word, uh, and, uh, uh, they can have rapid rises, but they also have, uh, rapid, um, uh, rapid falls. Well, yeah, you know, how much how much money did Ross Perot raise second time out?
1: Yeah, but uh, well, I I understand what you're saying. But but again, it it seems to me that the reality uh, of this is that it doesn't really matter to most voters. I think it's largely we're all focused on it, but it's mostly inside baseball stuff. And that's the beauty of the overall plan is if you do keep on losing, you say see. Uh, isn't that just more proof that the system is rigged against us they're cheating that's why we're losing we have the right message i'm in there fighting for you look around you and everyone you know believes in what i do you and everyone you know voted the right way how is it even
0: conceivable that we so lost? If, I'm, if i'm running a primary against matt gates i'm gonna say um look this guy um, you know voted with the entire democratic caucus that's that's where he is the uh, every every democrat in the house uh, uh, Nancy Pelosi uh, <laughs> uh i mean uh, uh, uh you know i'm trying to think of the, the the entire squad every last one of them voted for matt gates's proposal and what does that tell you uh, about what they think what the other side thinks and but uh, but the counter about argument whether
1: a argument to that in his district that he won by with something like 66 67 percent of the vote is i am the i am the real i am the real conservative the real republican and donald trump will
0: tell you so and boom i'm not entirely sure that donald trump will tell you so anymore though
1: oh donald trump and matt gates i mean matt gates is you know he's, he's they're, they're, they're pretty dim. Matt Gates has been very smartly using Donald Trump. And as long as Donald Trump is relevant, Matt Gates will continue to use Donald Trump by playing to his ego, which is the one thing that Donald Trump certainly, uh, n- not necessarily a man of great restraint and cannot, cannot restrain himself from responding to. And so. Yeah. So, I, but, but I would, I would point out
0: though, there were, there were a lot of Trumpian Republicans. Um, I'm thinking Max Miller from, from Ohio who, um, uh took over the um uh the, um, it's the friday afternoon i'm losing the 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 name um former Cincinnati bengal football player oh yeah um, i know what you mean um uh seat uh who who got ousted for for voting to impeach trump um and uh yeah and then uh max miller who came in is very extremely trumpy and and some other um, folks who, who rode the Trump bandwagon, uh, and who are saying they would eject, uh, Gates and the others from the, uh, from the caucus, uh, or the, the Republican conference. Um, so I, I think that's, I think that's telling. Um, so I
1: guess in the end, know, and, we're right the, the
0: fact yeah. that, the fact that, look, there's eight of them, uh, eight out of whatever 200, uh, I think it was 224 who voted the other way. Um, that's, you know, it, it's, it's bad when you have a, a small minority or a, a slim minority, and and you know eight people can can tank you. But you know that's the numbers are what they are. Uh, but still, it's not a testament to say uh, is this a deep schism? And and in fact, the the, the break isn't isn't between the mainstream old school uh, Republicans and Trump. It's now between the the Trumpians and the Gatesians. Um, so. I mean, I think that's this is this is a schism within a schism. And this is a, a minority of a minority. I mean, even, again, most of the Freedom Caucus is, um, has, has, uh, uh, you know, is, is sort of disowning uh, Gates. And I think rightly so.
1: It seems that to me that you're assuming that this is going to hurt Republicans electorally. And I don't know that I agree with that. I certainly that certainly seems to be the conventional wisdom on both sides. Of the aisle, but sometimes I think Washington forgets that uh, the world outside the beltway, the non-political junkie world, again doesn't pay a whole lot of attention, and we'll see this just as Washington being a big friggin' mess. We need to drain this particular swamp, and uh, and then in the end, unless there unless it results in an extended government shutdown that people really feel the consequences of, I don't think this hurts the Republican Party that much. What
0: do you think? No, but I think it, it, uh, it affects Republican primary voters who, who are watching, right? And maybe they're, maybe they're, maybe they're not political junkies, but they're, they tend to be sort of involved and they're looking at this and saying, listen, we've got a majority, a slim majority and we're completely squandering it. Um, uh, we, we could in fact have, have, you know, blown it here, right? Um, uh, and the fact that, uh, all of the Democrats, uh, voted, uh, in lockstep, uh, for chaos sort of, sort of tells us, you know, what, what the, uh, how, how the, how the rest of the world's viewing this. Um, uh, so, um, I, uh, I don't, uh, uh, I, I don't know that, that there, there it's not like they're going to be a Gatesian challenger to a lot of folks in, in primaries. Um, and I think uh, uh, th- this is, you know, so I, that's that's that, and I think that's your your, your first audience, right? Uh, I think there will be challengers to to those eight folks, um, and I would hope that one of the challenge that those challengers are are well funded.
1: Yeah i i think you're I think you're generally wrong about all of that, and uh, we we will certainly see. But again, to me, that totally makes sense. In the republic if the Republican party is more or less what you
0: would like it to be,
1: and what honestly I would like well to my be.
0: my goal is to to you know win a a majority and then to be able to enact uh some sort of you know republican policy or at, at the least um this this tends to be my view more often than not um uh there, there was a great a state legislator I knew mike um who was a great man representative Jim beakey. Uh, he's still around. Um, but, uh, one of his, his great uh, stories was, uh, one year, uh, one of his opponents uh, criticized him saying, um, uh, you know, Beaky's been in the, uh, the Ohio House for, you know, for, for three terms now. Uh, he's only introduced five bills. Um, and, uh, at which point Beaky responded and said, Bills? Hell, I play defense. Um, And I think that's the way I look at it. And I think that's the way a lot of Republicans look at it. Well, okay. uh, The
1: the first part of that is certainly true. And I've known you for a long time. I absolutely. But the second part of that, again, I almost on a weekly basis, Jay, I feel that you're sort of drifting. You're on this little ice flow. You're a sad little penguin on an ice flow with the rest of the, with the bulk of the party drift i guess you're drifting away from it or it's drifting away there's drifting going on and you seem to have some kind of reverse binoculars or some kind of glasses on saying oh no they're not really that for there are more people here with me right guys you're with me you're with me um and one day i think you're going to wake up become enlightened sadly i i hope i'm wrong about all this Well, no i'm
0: look I'm, i'm not i'm not arguing that that uh this Republican party is not the Republican party that you and i uh you know grew up with um but I am arguing that that uh you know two hundred twenty some people voted to keep uh, McCarthy and eight voted against him
1: yeah that, and, that's, uh, that's,
0: that's, uh, and that's 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 yeah. that's not a, that's not an insignificant number and many of those two twenty four were uh far right uh you might even call them mega extremists um so you know i that's that's what i'm 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 my point is look the, those are the numbers uh to some extent but for the uh the unfortunate concession that mccarthy made when he got the job um you know this this wouldn't have happened i think that's that's an imp- that's, so that's a good that's, point. Point. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's I, a good i point. i take a yeah. little different view
1: that and that's that's a good point actually i'm glad you brought that up i'm also glad you brought up the point about the unfortunate concession that mccarthy made in his desperate Super extra thirsty desire to have, to, to have the speaker's gavel, right? Which was a really stupid move. And this was, you know, some people would say, why didn't this happen with the squad under the Democrats and Pelosi? Well, because the, the rule to vacate. They were dumb enough to, yeah. they knew how to play the game. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Yeah. I think that was a horrible concession. And it sounds like now there were, there were certain centrist Demo Republicans who are saying, listen, if you want our support, or before we even vote on this, we should get some rules change in place saying that a motion to vacate the chair will require a majority of the conference or some sort of larger number. But I don't know that that's going to happen. I would be surprised if that happened. But uh, what, what do you think about that?
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I think that's that should be the uh, sine qua non, that's some Latin for you, um, uh, that any... Uh, any aspiring speaker should ask for, um, because anything else is just um, um, uh, unworkable, right? And this has proven that. And and I don't know what what good it would be uh, to become a speaker uh, in such uh, an unworkable situation um, when you'd be you know you'd be subject to uh, <laughs> summary removal uh, again. So I. Yeah, I, I just don't see anyone agreeing to it. And I think, um, uh, even the, the, uh, eight folks, um, well, and here's the thing, uh, eight, eight folks can't block the vote for speaker. Uh, I don't think, uh, um, you know, we'll see unless the Democrats are going to play that, uh, they will forever, uh, you know, vote, uh, vote with Gates, which I think that, that becomes dangerous for them at some point, but, um, Yeah, at some point, you just can't proceed with, without a speaker any longer. And the pressure will build on, uh, on those folks to vote for someone. And it's, it's for for example, I think it's a tough argument for, uh, any of these eight folks, uh, you know, going back to district and and facing voters to say, well, look, what's, what's wrong with Jim Jordan? You're telling me he's not conservative enough? Um, you know, I, I just, I, I, I think that's, uh, a losing, a losing argument. And, at that point, they start to, uh, uh, you know, the, the you you start to see them for what they are.
1: Well, I I think I think that analysis is wrong on a lot of levels. Uh,
0: Jeez, yeah. Well, I you guys can't I, uh, all
1: right. <laughs> call them like I see of Jay. I think it's wrong because number one, I don't think that either of the the two top candidates right now for the job, Jordan or Scalise, I think I don't think that either of them will insist on. Changing that rule, I think both of them will say. Certainly Jordan and probably Scalise will say no. That's fine. I, I and number two, I think that absolutely the Freedom Caucus will certainly support Jordan. I would expect, given he's a co-founder of it. Uh, but also, I would expect Scalise. The problem is is getting the essentially almost the entirety of. The Republican caucus. I mean, I think that is going to be the challenge. And it sounded to me almost like maybe I misheard you. You weren't suggesting that you would expect in some way Democrats to vote for a Republican for Speaker. I mean, they're all going to vote for Jeffries, and that's as it should be, I would expect.
0: Um, yes and no. I, I think <laughs> okay, after, so many, after so many votes, no. I mean, I, I've, I've seen this happen like three times in Ohio in the last, I don't know how many years. Um uh yeah at some points uh they would say enough is enough because at some point then uh democrats get get blamed for the chaos as well
1: I don't think that's right at all. I think that the Republicans have a majority. It's the majority's job to coalesce behind the speaker. And the idea that the other team would vote for one of your team's guys for the sake of the institution, that's ridiculous. I, I think you would, if it were well, first, well, you it, wouldn't have Republicans yeah, but it also, for- it, gets,
0: it gets tough to, to keep arguing that, um, uh, you know, nothing's, nothing's getting done and, and the institution's broken and so forth. And uh, we need to avert a shutdown. Okay. Um, well, have five Republicans vote for Jeffries.
1: That works too.
0: Yeah. And, and, and I'm okay I'm, with I'm, that. <laughs> I'm not, that. I'm not saying that that outcome is impossible.
1: Yeah. I that I think that outcome is, uh, that. I think it's unlikely. No, it's, it, it's, it's impossible, not, but it's not impossible. Well, but it's not theoretically impossible. No, I mean, you know, yeah. but I, I don't, let's, let's talk about what. No, no, I
0: think, I think there's, I think there, I think there's a, 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 a very much a non-zero risk that this whole whole um, uh, little stunts could end up uh, making Jeffrey speaker.
1: I think that the risk may be non-zero, but it is something like zero point zero zero. Add a few more zeros and then throw a one in there right. somewhere. But I don't think
0: it's that low. OK, but,
1: but do you have a sense of uh, who might end up with this? If it's let's let's assume it is actually a Republican who ends up as speaker. Uh, Scalise or Jordan? I, I think
0: Jordan is probably best positioned. It
1: doesn't it doesn't seem to me, based on what we've seen from Jim Jordan, temperamentally, that he's the sort of person who can who is temperamentally well suited to do the job of speaker. What do you
0: think? Oh, I think he is. I think uh, I think it's it's sort of he's got. Um, I think he might rather have the job that he's got. Right. Um, of being the you know judiciary bulldog kind of thing. Um, But no, temporarily, temperamentally, um, I think uh, he he could do the job. It's just not the role he's traditionally played. Um, uh, I think, I mean, I think Scalise could do the job, too. And and again, I'm just saying, if you're asking me, who who do I think is better positioned to get those votes? uh, I think it's probably Jordan. Okay.
1: And I guess if that's the case, let's say that Jordan ends up as the speaker. I would tend to agree that I, anything could happen at this point, but I, if I had a bet, I would bet a very small amount on Jordan. Wait, that, so you,
0: who would you bet on then? I said, I'd bet a very
1: small amount on Jordan. I, I wouldn't bet more than a small amount on anyone, but I bet maybe oh, a, okay. buck, a buck I, I, I was, I was anticipating you, were, no, no. you would
0: bet more heavily on someone oh God, else. No. Okay. Not on this. I think okay. this, the, well you no, he would still you still see him as the front rather front runner but you would you would throw this into it like anything can happen. Yeah, basically. Exactly. So
1: to me that brings up the question of Ukraine. Because Jim Jordan is one of the more anti-Ukraine folks in the House Republican caucus. The uh the group Republicans for Ukraine has given him an F on Ukraine votes. He's voted voted against all but one ukraine measure uh in the house and he said many things making it very clear he is not at all interested in sending any more money to ukraine and as speaker of course he would have a great deal of power in deciding what gets on the floor and what doesn't essentially almost full power there there are discharge petitions but it's not really it's more a thing in
0: theory than when has that ever really happened yeah
1: and that brings me then to the ukraine question if what we both think is most likely in a chaotic environment where anything can happen does in fact happen that seems
0: to suggest that ukraine aid is dead i wouldn't say dead um i I think it'll continue um and again you know where where i am on ukraine i am i am uh the the last cold warrior i suppose um, I shouldn't say that. I mean, there are a lot of other Republicans. I think there are that group. Republicans raid Ukraine. Um, no, I I think I think Jordan is. You know, it's it's sort of it plays well for a while, right? It's it's easier to be in the minority. Um, and 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 to be clear, Repub- House Republicans, uh, even if they hold the majority, they're still in, in one sense in the minority in that they don't control the White House or the the, the Senate. Um so there's there's that sense of like we talk about sometimes free votes uh or being sort of the backbenchers who can just kind of throw bombs, knowing that you don't actually have to really be responsible for governance. Um I think that that might uh well I think it's it'll continue, right? The way it's it's been. So yeah, you know, there's been um, you know, pushback before in the House about Ukraine aid, but it's it still happens. Now uh again, my my preference and, and, uh, uh, you can say, well, this is out of step with the rest of the, you know, the, the current Republican party. And, um, but, uh, hell, I'm the guy who's on the show. So, uh, I, I, I think, I think the better argument is, um, uh, you know, if, if you're worried about you, you, China, um, let's make sure that the Russians lose in, the, in Ukraine. Uh, I think that's, you know, that's the big message sender. Uh, I think the, the, you know, response should be, uh, Joe Biden should have acted quicker in Ukraine and needs to do more right now and stop dragging our feet. And let's have, uh, you know, let's have a real, uh, policy that, that, uh, what we want to see is, uh, is freedom for the Ukrainian people and, uh, you know, all the Russians expelled. Um, that, that would be, I think, I, I think you can, you can make that as a, a, a good selling point. Uh, you can make the argument of, uh, you know, uh, if we're saying our ammunition is, is low, our, our, you know, factories are not putting it out enough, well, let's, let's redouble our efforts. Let's, uh, get American jobs, people building planes, tanks, uh, rebuild our military and rebuild our uh, ability to project that, uh, power, not, uh, only through our military, but through, uh, selling and loaning and providing aid to others who need it. Um, Yeah, I I think I think 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 that's a winning I think that's a winning message.
1: I I think you're right. Not that it's a winning message, but earlier that that's that's very out of touch with uh, with a lot of Republican voters and their sort of nativism and and isolationism uh, and that sort of uh, unfortunate tendency that you do not share, uh, of course. But I think a better, uh, a more likely outcome is that these Republicans who really don't care about Ukraine. Either way, uh, unless it affects their personal political fortunes, because that's the sort of people they are. That's the system we've set up to basically elect a bunch of, you know, uh, I say a disproportionate number of narcissistic psychopaths in both parties. And so that's what you get when you get government by psychopath, I think. And uh, but I think an argument can be made for tying Ukraine aid to. Border security or border troops, and I think that there is going to be a compromise. It's not going to be based on principles of any sort. It's going to be based on that sort of hardball. We'd really like more people at the border to ideally harass, and hey, if we
0: could, you know, shoot a few brown people, that's good too. Whoa, come on! I, I, I mean, I, I think you're underselling the the problem that we have in the, at the border.
1: Oh no, I we definitely have a problem at the border. Right?
0: Yeah, but there are yeah, they, and and and, and that the, yeah, there needs to be. Uh, uh, again in in the biden administration actually uh, mayorkas uh, is is taking some extraordinary steps uh to to erect as he calls physical barriers which i think that's what i i made the argument for uh a while back um uh, it's not a wall it's just a physical barrier uh in certain places so uh i i yeah i think i think that's that's fine and i think the government can walk and chew gum uh, at the same time. And, and to me, as a Republican, traditional Republican, I would say those, those are both, uh, things where the government ought to be involved and ought to spend money, right? I mean, if the, the general gist of, of, uh, uh of my philosophy, and I think again, you could say this traditional Republican philosophy is that the, the, to the extent the government, uh, spends money and does things, it ought to spend money and do things that people can't reasonably be expected to do themselves um and and you know protecting the border and and uh, foreign policy are are two of the big ones yeah. so um, well, one
1: one thing on this that didn't occur to either of us th- th- but one,
0: one more thing before yeah. I, before I forget though um i do think there also would be this is an area where you there are enough republicans uh who do support aid to the aid to ukraine um that you could have bipartisan crossover
1: i, I you know you yeah I think that's that's a possibility. And your, your
0: your argument would be, well, Jordan just never brings that, that bill to the floor. Um, I think he does, like you said, if there's something else in it. So
1: I think it's possible, but I think something that neither of us raised that uh, actually both uh, Jack B. and John did on uh, on Zoom here just now is what about the not insignificant number of Republicans or Republicans in the electorate, not necessarily in Congress, who see all this as uh, Ukraine is a whole big part of the Biden crime family corruption thing. And so therefore, any aid to Ukraine is essentially uh, uh, basically giving a pass or helping out the Biden crime family and a and a move against Donald Trump who tried to shut that whole thing down and I think that is something to be considered because there are a, a non trivial number of people who seem to have some beliefs along those lines.
0: Yeah, I I think that's there's probably something to that. Um the fact that of the, the, the Biden involvement in Ukraine um uh would would seem to that's <laughs> just kind of like another strike against it, right? Uh, if you're going to say, uh, look, this is, this is just a matter of, uh, why are we getting involved in this, this war that, uh, by some, some, some say, uh, we don't have any real dog in the fight or any national interest there. And again, that's something I disagree with vehemently. Um, and then, you know, plus this is this place that, you know, Biden kid got rich off of, uh, and it's, it's corrupt and it is. Um, uh, but, uh, but I think that the test of, of whether you, uh, come to the aid of another country, uh isn't so much on whether they're corrupt. Um, you know, uh, but but you look at a uh, bigger geopolitical picture. Um Kai shek was corrupt as hell. Um, you know, as was as was Ferdinand Marcos, as was a whole lot of other
1: We support all uh, kinds folks. of corrupt regimes we have. It's exactly, an American yeah. tradition. No, and I'm, and I'm
0: I'm I'm arguing almost for the for a Kissingerian um uh, amorality, right? Uh uh, that in forward policy. Um, but at the same time, it's, I, I think you can, you could argue that there is something, uh, even if they're corrupt, that doesn't mean that they ought to just, you know, get invaded by, uh, by Vladimir Putin.
1: All right. Well, and anyway, you the final question, I guess, on this before we move on is, uh, I, I said at the opening of this, uh, extended discussion that you were right about there being brinksmanship, but no shutdown. Are you going to predict do you are you going to stick with that prediction for come November 17th I believe it is do you think we're going to have a shutdown now uh in this environment or well,
0: what do you think Um I think we will have a speaker before then uh and I think we will uh, a shutdown will be averted
1: Okay well I I agree with you that we'll have a speaker before then but I do not think a shutdown will be averted but I do not think it will be an extended shutdown. And I'll say, I don't think it'll go for more than two or three weeks. That'll be my prediction. And we'll see. Well, right, let's move on to something else. <laughs> there is something else that happened. What this. else you got? Well, you know, uh there's new, there's a new senator in California. Uh, Governor Newsom appointed uh, Lafonza Butler to fill the remainder of Diane Feinstein's term. And uh, of course, Butler is uh, presidents of president of was president. Sorry. Now she's a senator of Emily's List and they work to elect pro-life or sorry, pro-choice. My God, <laughs> Pro, pro-choice Democratic women. She was also an advisor to Vice President Harris's 2020 presidential campaign. She's the only black woman in the Senate right now. The third black female senator in U.S. history. And she's one of two openly lesbian U.S. senators right now. The other one being. He's got Wisconsin it all going Stanley. for her. Yep.
0: Yeah. And that checks all the boxes.
1: Well, uh, I I thought you'd say that and it sounds like there's a there's a tone there, Jay. Uh, why don't you why don't you talk about that a little bit?
0: Well, I, I think it's it's uh um I I might argue that um doing this demographic box checking uh is not a way to electoral success uh or good government. Now, the electoral success piece might not matter so much in California. Um, although I still, uh, still, uh, I wouldn't be surprised that she she sees primaries. Um, we'll see how this goes, but I think you can you can look at the uh, Kamala Harris uh, ascendancy uh, and and see how that worked out. Um,
1: well, and I, this I gets think, into yeah. this gets a lot more into I think California Democrat inside politics sort of thing, and so for instance. Right now, the, in the race for to replace uh, uh, Feinstein permanently, you've got Adam Schiff and Katie Porter, who are both sort of out ahead. Barbara Lee is really sort of struggling, and there's some stuff going on between Lee and Newsom, and a lot of people wanted Newsom to endorse Lee, and that would have helped her campaign. But I also point out that Lee is 77 years old. Butler is 44 years old. That might have. And, and I think also if you're Gavin Newsom looking at a potential presidential bid in 2028, you're thinking, hey, how would it help me out in the primaries to have if I'm a white male, which, you know, unless some weird things happen, he's going to be a white male in 2028 as well. How would it be to have a uh, a black female lesbian VP running mate? Well, that might look really good in the primaries for me as a white male. Sure. And yeah. so I think there's a lot of table setting, potentially at least going on for the future. And like you said, California Senate, that's a safe seat for the Democrats. They don't really have to worry about that. Butler hasn't even announced if she's going to run or not. I expect she end up she will. Who, who would up, Who would not? Yes. Who would who would
0: ever say, yeah, I'm just filling in uh, at the in the world's greatest deliberate body and then I'm stepping aside. Yeah.
1: Well, it, and then the weird the weird thing is, is. Basically, there are going to be two elections in California then. The voters are going to be asked to vote for who's going to fill the rest of Feinstein's term, that two months between or whatever, between the election and the new Congress. And then also who's going to fill before the, the full six year term, which is up in 2024 as well. And so presumably they'll pick the same person for both because it'd be weird to say, well, I think, you know, Butler's fine for a couple months, but I want shit short, for short six term, years. Yeah. <laughs> it'd be kind of a strange thing, but kind of a weird quirk of uh, uh, election law there. So, so, yeah, I mean, I don't think it seems it seems to me to be a you know, a, a reasonable choice. Some people were making hay of the fact that, oh, well, she's currently residing or was currently residing in Maryland or something like that. But she's got well, a there's
0: something to that. I mean, well, she's that, got a residence you know, they, in California. They, they, they do. They do ask you um, there's, you know, not, residency is one of the requirements. And and come on, you'd, you'd hope that that wouldn't be that tough to. But of on, late on
1: both sides. That certainly has been a flexible requirement as long as you have a home there. And actually, I should point out, unlike say a Dr. Oz thing, she does have longstanding deep ties to California politics and in the state. So it's not like she's some carpet bag or anything like that. And as uh as John pointed out, you know, Emily's list raises a lot of money for Democrats. And so having someone who's tied into those fund that fundraising networks and those constituencies. That's uh, putting them in a position of political power. That's that's not a bad move for the Democrats. So all in all, you know, seems like a, a reasonable pick. Though I got to say, when I look at Newsom, 2028, 20, I don't really see him as one of the stronger, the strongest Democratic candidates. He's desperate for the job, I, I would think. But for me, looking, thinking about general elections, I think Democrats would be better to find some sort of a strong swing state governor, ideally not a white male. You know, you got uh, uh, Katie Hobbs in Arizona, Gretchen Whitmer in um, uh, Michigan, maybe even Tammy Baldwin, right? from uh, was, She's not a governor, she's a senator. But still, there are some, I'm saying there are some better choices, I think, than than Gavin Newsom. It doesn't really bring you anything because California is an automatic.
0: Right. That was what I was going to say is, yeah, it doesn't get you anything yeah. Extra. But, but if you, uh, if
1: you, if you have run too, I like, a, like, a say could,
0: a Michigan would.
1: Yeah. yeah. If you could, a Baldwin or Whitmer, say, well, we can deliver Michigan or, or Wisconsin possibly. Well, that's, you know, that, that's not a bad thing. So anyway, we shall.
0: So I would, I mean, I would say again, this is way far out. And, and again, out of my, uh, yeah, as far as, as, as you say, I'm out of touch with the Republican party. So I'm even more out of touch with the Democratic party. Um, but I, I think. Whitmer would have just better mm-hmm. skills, right? Uh, than what I've seen from Baldwin, I think she could be a disaster on the campaign trail. But
1: well, Whitmer certainly having those uh, in terms of governing skills, and a governor, I think, just generally might be better suited for actually doing the job. But if you're talking about camp, always, then.
0: always better than yeah. And, there, and there's just always the issue of um, when you when you try to run for president or vice president from the Senate. Um, it's, it's, uh, it tends to be tougher sledding than those people think, expect this, despite, despite it being that sort of an iron rule of this is how it's always been and always will be. Um, everyone thinks this time will be different.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They, well, for, for me, right. Cause I am, I am special. Yes, absolutely. Generally they're not. Well, I think we have time for one more segment and I really wanted to get to this because I'm always excited about the first Monday in October. And I, I assume you are too, probably um oh yes the yes, supreme court yeah. that's right the supreme court now, it's not just it's just not just a movie starring walter Matthau from the i don't know 70s or something like that there was a movie anyway um i don't know where that came to me but yes it is the start of their new term always the first monday in october uh, i i guess you know they run the term generally I runs might be,
0: actually might, i might be going to uh, uh oral arguments um at the end of the month oh very cool well that would be yeah, that might be, be haven't don't know yet haven't fully decided haven't booked the trip but uh, as a as a member of the Supreme Court bar, one of the things I get is I can get you know admission to, um, to oral arguments. Do you get so, like discounts on, and like on one, popcorn? And like one and, guest. Yeah. <laughs> and exactly. And 10% off at the gift shop. So, uh, you know, cool. you, you, I, I got that going for me. Awesome. Well, and oral, so oral
1: arguments can be very interesting uh, to listen to, even just recorded. And so you'll have to talk about that. But there were a couple of cases that I did have oral arguments in this week. I wanted to get to at least. One of them, uh, which is like a weird little technical thing, but can have some huge real life implications. And in the case I'm talking about is Pulse versus United States it involves mandatory minimum sentences. And at first, when I read this and I read the, the, uh, the, the document that it said the question presented to the court is, and I am not kidding, folks, whether the word and in a statute means and. Or if it might actually mean or, and I read that and I thought, huh? And that's kind of what and then Justice Alito said at one point: the people here who haven't studied the case must think this is gibberish. And I was like, I hadn't studied the case at that point, and I was like, yeah, (laughs) that sounds about right because I'm pretty sure and means and, not or. But when I had a little time to actually read the statute, and also. To think about the decisions from both the seventh and eighth circuits, who both they both concluded that and in this case means or whereas' the ninth right. circuit and they're said, not
0: they're not they're they're no slouches, yeah,
1: now the ninth circuit, which i'm usually i'm a big fan, you know they said and means right. and and they're tremendous slouches yeah <laughs> so 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 yeah, it seemed really weird, and I had a conversation with with the with a judge friend who kind of enlightened me about a few things as well. Uh, listener to the show, uh, hi. If you're listening, I uh, hope you are. Um, uh, but it made me rethink it and maybe it wasn't gibberish. And here's what I mean. So the case, let me back up, involves criteria. Yeah. You
0: kind of have to go through, walk through this, the statute as to why it, it might be different. Yeah. Because so the, the usage. Yeah. The,
1: the, so the question involves criteria listed in what's called the First Step Act of 2018. And this was a bipartisan law that allowed judges to. Uh, basically ignore mandatory minimum sentences in certain instances based on the defendant's criminal history. And there were three of these conditions that are listed at one point. The total number of criminal history points, which can't exceed four. You can't have a prior three-point criminal offense. And, it said, you can't have a prior two-point violent offense. Now, the Seventh and the Eighth Circuits both concluded that, well, if you read the conditions in context, that and there between the second and the third condition doesn't make sense. Uh, and so the sensible reading of it would be or. Uh, but on the other hand, there was a dissenting judge in the Seventh Circuit decision who said, wait a second, the Supreme Court before has said that courts shouldn't just construe statutes to conform to what we might think Congress meant. What
0: makes sense? Yeah. yeah.
1: And then she further said, and I'll quote it here courts must follow statutory language. Even if they think that the results would be absurd or wildly out of proportion to the goals that Congress has articulated, and I gotta say, Jay, I found myself torn because it seems to me this is almost certainly uh, an issue of what I'm told is called, oftentimes in legal terms, Scrivener's error, where they meant to put in or and was put in. This could have serious, real life years in prison consequences not just for this pulse for god but for a lot of folks
0: tens of thousands of people you know this
1: is a big deal and so if any if there's ever a condition where the court should say you know what we're going to ignore what congress did say and we're going to go with what we're pretty sure they meant this would be it and so again i'm very torn what do you think
0: so wow and I'm I'm looking at the statute right now even as we speak um and and it is uh as it as it's phrased right now to read it as and would be seemingly nonsensical um j- just because it would it, you would have um you, you have to have <laughs> I mean, again the it yeah it it uh, it just doesn't make make sense uh because to have all of these would be a really
1: And yet, and yet, what's the limiting factor here? Do we say, well, we know it when we see it, and if it's like not really nonsensical, but if it's like really doesn't quite seem to make sense, then do we say we can insert our meaning? You see, I mean that—that's why. Yeah, yeah, no, I I get it. It
0: it should an or would definitely be uh, much clearer. Because if you're, Uh, I think it should should, the better the better way to say this would have been right. Um, You know, the exception is. you know this uh you know here here are the exceptions uh if you qualify for one of these um and I would think the standard conservative and then the exceptions, and you would have an and, and then that would make perfect sense, but that's not exactly what the statute does but
1: I would think the standard sort of strict constructionist response would be, okay, Congress should go ahead and just amend this to change that. It would be a quick and easy fix. go ahead and do that, boom, taken care of,
0: yeah. So I, w- I would say the, there is though the, the principle of statutory construction that you shouldn't construe a statute to, uh, a result that's nonsensical. Um, and there, there is precedent for correcting Scrivener's errors. Uh, and I think you could probably draw upon, uh, other, uh, canons of, uh, statutory interpretation. And there's, there's a whole bunch of them and some of them get out contradict with contradict one another, but, um, to to look at uh, uh you know one is this for infer- first i it think it's obviously it's ambiguous what congress meant um and then you get into this construction piece uh so yeah to me this this might be one of those uh uh, uh just you you call it that this this just can't be right uh we're going to treat it as or
1: and, and and so do you think that will get i can't imagine That'll get a unanimous court. I would think that Alito and Scalia, or Scalia, Alito and Thomas <laughs> wouldn't go along with that. Scalia might not either. But, uh, I, I mean, I, what do you sense in like a, a sixth?
0: I don't know. No, I think it might be a little different because I think this might be, I kind of like, I, there There might be room to write an opinion saying why this is different uh, than other, um, you know, reading the, you know, the, uh, uh, textualist ap- approaches. Um, and that meaning that, look, the text has to to make uh, sense at some point. Um, I think there's, there's probably room, right? There's, this is probably one of those where you would get a, um, so-called kind of, like we talked about free votes, kind of a free dissent, right? If you, if you know that, uh, it's going to get worked out the right way anyway, you could still make a great, a, a really good dissent, uh, about textualism. Um, so now, now you're the attorney. So yeah, it, I, and again, I, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to admit that I have not dug in a whole lot uh, on on this case with this this issue, um, but that would be my guess. Yeah,
1: because because to me, when I read the statute and I have it pulled up here as well, is I wouldn't call it nonsensical. I would say it would make more sense if it were written with an with an or before an and, but, and without, with, without getting too deep in the weeds, I could see we'd say, well, no, they, it, it can be reasonable to conscrew to con, conscrew. Yeah. The uh, Pulsifer is getting screwed here, but to construe this as saying that, no, that it's reasonable to cons- assume that Congress meant you shouldn't have more than four criminal history points. You can't, and that includes, you can't have even a single three-point offense, and also or you no, can't have no, two point, yeah. a two-point two point violent, violent offense. And the word violent to me is what maybe makes it a little bit different and makes makes it go from being nonsensical, which I don't think it is, to being less sensical than it would be with an or, if you see what I mean.
0: Yeah. And for that should people, be a word. Less sensical. Uh,
1: and, and for people on the statute in front of them, this is probably fairly gibberishy <laughs> as well. So at this point, maybe maybe we move on. I don't know. But I, it was just, it fascinated me. But before we do go, um, I want to talk a little bit, just briefly, about Donald Trump's civil case. Um. You know, last week, Trey and Ken discussed the Trump civil fraud case was started that week. And, of course, that's the case in which New York's Attorney General, Letitia James, has accused Trump, uh, his kids, to, not all of them, Barron, I think it's not part of this whole thing, you know. The but partisan witch hunt, Mike. Exactly. Yeah. The partisan witch hunt of, of inflating property values by up to over, somewhere over $2 billion to get favorable terms for banks and insurers. and. We're not going to rehash that, but this week, the judge hearing the case, uh, Arthur, uh, Edgernon? I don't know. I'm sorry about that art if you're listening. But anyway, the judge ordered all parties to not speak publicly about any members of the court staff after Trump posted on true social, attacking his clerk, posting a picture of the clerk together with the caption, Schumer's girlfriend, I won't say her name, is running, is ruining, is running this case against me how disgraceful this case should be dis- dismissed immediately uh, and then trump's campaign email blasted the post to subscribers presumably raising a bunch of money off at that sort of thing what's your what's your take on the uh, on the partial gag order and what what donald trump did there
0: so uh one what would he i guess it gets into the two different questions right one is is that the appropriate way to handle this uh, absolutely not uh is it protected first amendment speech perhaps um uh i would tend to think at this point i think the the gag order is appropriate um uh i think it's it, you know after i think i think there was a difference after the trial right um to say oh that was you know it was all fixed and the the law clerk was against me and all kind of stuff again it's not it doesn't condone that because that's i don't think that's appropriate conduct um but i think it's protected speech uh i think you you could make the argument that during the pendency of the case um that that type of speech the the interest in having a uh, uh an actual legit uh, judicial proceeding free from um political influence uh outweighs the interest in being able to speak immediately or make opinion statements about um, court personnel mm.
1: and I, I would expect just generally speaking your view of donald trump uh presumably being sent the picture of the clerk with the, uh, a uh schumer and then just making up out of whole cloth the accusation that uh, she's dating him and that she's throwing the case that she's crooked that is uh sort of a despicable kind of thing to do yeah okay. yeah just, I i I'd like to get you on record about that so listeners can actually hear that. No, you know, no. I mean so. here's I
0: mean here's the thing. Quite, quite honestly, I'm I I think I'm pretty pretty uh consistent on those type of issues in terms of and if let's put it this way, if a lawyer did it, uh it would be uh, not only dis- despicable, I think it would be sanctionable. Um uh, but but Trump uh in arguably has the the First Amendment right to say despicable things because the you know, stuff that isn't despicable usually uh, doesn't come under fire. So, um, you know, I, I, I I'm I looking at this is is there a short term, um, you know, when you're you're weighing the limitations uh, that the courts has placed? Uh, is it I, I think that's I think it passes First Amendment muster at this point. I think a, you know, order afterwards would not. But, you know, I don't I don't would expect that's coming anyway. But now. Nope. Um, presumably and none of none of this none of this changes uh, my uh, despicable opinion uh that the case is, is despicable and, and is just sort of a uh a you know, partisan hit job right this is this is of course the case where um no one has alleged that alleged that they were defrauded uh, no one's lost any money um there there are there are no victims well wait a second um, two
1: separate things here uh, it seems to me right. that a- as a matter of But I'm trying to make that clear as a matter of fact, uh, it has been at least ruled right that Donald Trump did, in fact, commit fraud, but that nobody lost anything from that fraud. At least no one has come forward to say it. so. I just I just want to point out that I would
0: I would say one of the one of the legal elements of of fraud is that there's some some loss occurred.
1: Gotcha. Okay. So that let me let me rephrase then. No no one I think outside of that. And maybe
0: and maybe and maybe perhaps under the specific New York statute they're talking about, maybe I could be wrong. But I'm just saying uh typically, you know, fraud is a uh no harm, no foul type same situation.
1: Gotcha. So I, I, I'll i rephrase saying I think mo a lot of people agree that Donald Trump did, in fact, inflate these values for whatever reason. But that does not necessarily constitute fraud if there is no harm done in that sense.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Uh, if, if no one if no one complains uh, and no one loses money. Um, yeah, I, I think you've got two or two, two arguments there. One, does it does it legally constitute? uh fraud under whatever statute they're prosecuting them and and under and the second is the political argument of is this the best uh use of of uh the people's resources
1: and you and i have talked about that before and we're more in agreement i would say than disagreement on a lot of elements of that one another thing that occurred to me in reading the statement I, i'm wondering if uh, the the judge's clerk actually might have a defamation case against donald trump what do you think i mean he he claimed that uh uh, that, that she's running or running or ruining. I, I have running here, but who knows? It could have been a typo. Uh, no, but running the case, uh,
0: uh, that, that she's, well, if she's running the, if she's running the, I mean, I think you could, I, I see running that's being
1: a clerk, right?
0: Yeah. You're sort of, cause, cause as a clerk, a lot of times they're, they're the folks who are in charge of sort of setting, you know, keeping the deadlines and that kind of stuff and doing a lot of the administrative. Behind the scenes stuff. So, what about uh, running the case could be uh, not,
1: you know, well, what about the the the, the quote, the quote taken in context, the Schumer's girlfriend thing clearly intended to uh, question her, uh, right, her her impartiality, her ethics. That's because she calls it a disgrace. It should be dismissed and that sort of thing. It seems to me that if that was a, if I understand it correctly, if that was a statement that both harms her in some material way her ruins her reputation she suffers some damages from that and that was a statement that he made that was either false or he made with reckless disregard for the truth. reckless
0: disregard for its truth yes.
1: reckless disregard for the truth that's Donald trump's whole mo i mean you know right, so right. I, there there is a um, defamation case there isn't there i mean at
0: least on yeah the so well, there's there's two there's two sort of types of defamation and I, again i'm not i i don't want to Dig to be even in New York law because i but this is just generally right and one is that type of, of uh, a, a false statement. Um, uh, and if it's if it's made with uh, and there's actual damages, uh, others are, are statements that are uh, defamation per se, right, that the, the statement in itself uh, is is uh, uh, not only false, but uh, it's so outrageous and malicious that you don't actually have to show actual damages. Um, so then the interesting question to me is, is being accused of dating, uh, Chuck Schumer, uh, uh, defaming per se. Um, I, might, uh, I, I don't, uh, I don't know. I mean, it's sort of, I, I would think so. Um, well, see, I, uh,
1: I, I would think that it's not so much that, but, but that the, if you read the texting context, it's queer.
0: Right, it's saying, saying she is, she is, uh, she is, she is compromised. She is not following her principles. She is uh acting unethically uh, uh because of her uh, alleged relationship with Schumer. Um I was I was sort of joking about that. Oh okay. <laughs> dating <laughs> dating, <laughs> dating Chuck Schumer, uh I would think certainly should be uh Gotcha, percent. okay. Um but um I, I don't I
1: don't think uh, that there would be a case. I don't think that the, the clerk would necessarily want to bring the case because that brings its own issues certainly but in any case it just that just occurred to me and i wanted to get your thoughts
0: well on. and again it gets, it gets it does get to the point of of though um yeah you could you could perhaps get some uh uh statute or, or 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 you know exemplary damages right on that kind of case but they wouldn't be a lot you know it's it's usually you know it's just kind of all right well a thousand bucks uh, if you if you can't if you can't prove that, you know, have some actual damages that flow from it.
1: then if it's a case um, where Trump supporters, the millions of Trump supporters who saw that, then people start making threats against her family. Or yeah. Like, yeah get I got to get,
0: get a new security system. I've got. Uh, yes. All this. Uh, I got I had to go to therapy, all that. Yeah. Those would be damages that you could um, you 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 could claim. And let's hope uh, that, that, that it doesn't. Yeah. Let's happen. hope that
1: it doesn't get to that um, level but, for sure.
0: But uh, yeah.
1: All right. Well, on that. On that note, why don't we close for this week? We did not get to, I cannot believe this. We'll have to do this on the midweek show, Jay, but we did not get to talk about my favorite federal government agency. You yeah. Know what
0: that is. <laughs> At least for now, Mike.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that's true. The, the consumer and financial. I appreciate them. Protection. while you got them. Yeah. That's, uh, you guys keep on trying to kill it. We're going to talk about that latest attempt to do so. Also, we want to, we want to talk about the. Credit Card Competition Act, which we didn't get to, and uh, maybe a little bit in praise of idleness. all that we will get to on the midweek show for supporters. And if you're not already a supporter, we do hope you'll consider becoming one because without supporters, no way we'd be able to do this. And when you become a supporter, you get all sorts of good stuff. You get ad-free versions of everything we put out. You get the full-length supporter-exclusive midweek show. You get access to our Discord group where there's a lot of fun stuff happening all the time. There's also Politics Guys gear. Other benefits at different levels. Like for instance, uh, we had uh, a number of our supporters uh, and still do. Hey guys, you're still there with us on uh, on this episode, uh, offering some comments and commentary that we've we've incorporated in whenever we could. So that's a benefit as well. So we hope you'll consider checking that out. Just go to Patreon.com/slash Politics Guys. You can also support us on Venmo or at politicsguys, or through PayPal. All support links are in the show notes as well as at politicsguys.com slash support. If you want to get that full midweek show, but you are not in a position to financially support us, send me an email, Mike at politicsguys.com and I will get that set up for you. Happy to do that. And of course, if you're a supporter or not, it does definitely help to get the word out. That means if you can rate, review the show on your podcast app. Share it on social media. That makes a big difference, and we really appreciate if you do that. And finally, a very special thanks, as always, to our fantastic executive producers, Bruce Johnson, Wilma Moreno, Andre Masker, Daniel Toe, Ryan Beasley, and Don Oglesby. We'll be back with a new episode for you next week. We hope you join us.